you this day and always. Amen. Well, this wasn't the sermon I was hoping to preach this morning. You see, a few weeks ago, when I read the passages from the prophet Isaiah and Psalm 139, I knew that after the year that we had all had, I wanted to preach about the light that is to be celebrated in this season of Epiphany and is so beautifully illuminated in these ancient texts. I wanted to perhaps mention the darkness that these passages reference, but then quickly move on and focus on the hopeful dawn of a brighter year ahead. A year that holds the promise of a vaccine that will perhaps end this era of a deadly virus. A year that will see the first woman, no less a black woman, hold one of the highest offices in our country for the very first time. We have passed the winter solstice and these long nights will grow shorter and the gray days will grow longer and reveal more sunshine and warmth. There is so much light longing to break forth in this year ahead. But I would be remiss if I focused only on the light and ignored the darkness, particularly the darkness of January 6th, 2021. I think we all had a sense of the darkness that was looming, but the attack on the Capitol brought it to light in such a vulgar and ugly way that we couldn't possibly ignore it. Well, several of you had signed up to attend the virtual tour that day hosted by the Illinois Holocaust Museum that captured the life and spirit of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But you wrote to tell me that you simply couldn't attend because you couldn't look away from the TV. I understood that. And several of you said the same thing even about the prayer service in the evening that you simply couldn't stop watching the news because you were sh so shocked by what was unraveling before your very eyes. Well, the prophet Isaiah would describe what was happening this way. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But there was also another dark event going on that I'm supposing most of you weren't aware of. Well, news of this event that happened that day also arrived in my inbox midday, January 6th. A colleague of mine, Rashida Graham Washington, a black woman, opened the Live Cafe in Oak Park a few years ago with the clear intention of creating a space for inclusive dialogue and community. They host speakers and view films and invite people into hard but faithful conversation. She created what is a beautiful and what was to be a safe space. Some of you have visited the cafe with me. Well, the cafe is currently serving also as a headquarters for three black candidates running for the Oak Park Village Board. Well, the email I received that day announced that sometime between Tuesday and Wednesday evening of last week, someone attempted to throw a paper-wrapped brick stating no n-word on the ballot. No n-word on the ballot. They attempted to throw this message through the window of Live Cafe. The prophet Isaiah would have described the incident this way, for darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness 
the peoples. But just as we held the prayer service last Wednesday evening, Rashida did what Christians would do all over the world in light of those actions. She responded to the vast darkness with light. She held a candlelight vigil outside the cafe where hundreds gathered to unite in the face of this disturbing act. One of the speakers at the vigil was Rabbi Max Weiss, who proclaimed, an attack on Live Cafe is an attack on all of us. It is an attack on the values that bind us together. It must be met with justice and the forces of love. And so perhaps in light of this darkness, the words of Isaiah and the psalmist are even more important today than ever. This season of epiphany calls our attention to the manifestation of God in earthly form. As one author states, it reminds us that God's presence shines in unexpected places and in unexpected ways among ordinary people. We are those ordinary people known and loved by our extraordinary God. God knows us so intimately that God is even able to penetrate darkness with light. With God's help, even we ordinary people are capable of overcoming the darkness. The passage from Isaiah is our call to perceive and participate in the glorious work of God. It is our reminder that Christ's light is meant to shine forth from us and reflect off of us. The light in every age is a reflective light. Like precious metals or stones flashing in the sun, God's people, we don't generate the light, but we can gather and disperse the light that shines on us. Or as one wrote, all of those who turn to Jesus and follow his example of love, grace, and mercy will not only reflect his great light, but be absorbed by it and become one with it, assuring that we will never be dispelled, quenched, or overcome by darkness, a darkness that is so cunning it can be experienced in broad daylight. But Isaiah also reminds us that we need to be looking for the light. Lift up your eyes and look around. The darkness can block our vision, can't it? But we have to keep looking and searching and reflecting the light that Emmanuel, God with us, gifts us. The Reverend Cameron Trimble wrote this week, Darkness is having its way with us right now. Darkness is threatening the fabric of democracy and the integrity of our souls. Darkness seduces us with lies and turns us against one another. Darkness makes us question who we are and who we are becoming. Might I suggest that we become like sunflowers? Well, maybe you already know this, but sunflowers turn according to the position of the sun. In other words, they chase the light, which of course raises the question, what do they do on cloudy, rainy, dark days when the sun is completely covered by clouds? Well, perhaps you think the sunflower withers or turns its head toward the ground, but no, on dark days, the sunflowers turn toward each other to share their energy. 
Maybe that's where we begin, by turning toward one another to lift up our eyes and chase the light of Christ reflected in one another. And maybe the light arrives in a gentle touch, a kind word, a note of gratitude. Maybe the light arrives by writing a note to those candidates in Oak Park to say how sorry we are that such hatred has been directed their way. Maybe the light arrives like we witnessed when we saw the images of Congressman Andy Kim picking up the trash left behind on the Capitol floor. Bit by bit, step by step, as individuals, as families, as communities, as a congregation. Well, in 1907, in his parting address to the National Council of Congregational Churches, Washington Gladden urged his peers to see the church as a manifestation of Christ. For Gladden, one of the chief reasons for Christ's life and for the life of the church was to make men and women feel that the great joy of life is the joy of service. To populate this world with a race of people whose central purpose it shall be, not to get as much as they can, but to give as much as they can. This is what Jesus came into the world to do. As I said at the start, this wasn't quite the sermon I had hoped to preach this day, but hope is a funny thing. Someone asked me at the close of last year what I was hoping for in this new year. Well, my hope is that we don't forget what we learned in 2020, that there is beauty in slowing down, that life is terribly fragile, that we can actually embrace small inconveniences like wearing a mask and standing six feet apart, and those actions might just save a life. My hope is that we don't forget the racism that wasn't new, but was revealed in such an ugly way that we were forced out of our comfort zones to see and hopefully not look away. My hope is that we continue to recognize our role in that racism and our part in reconciliation. And now, after last week, my hope and my prayer is that we do not forget the darkness that we witnessed at the Capitol or the ugliness in Oak Park. My hope is that we do not fail to see what is broken and our role in the healing that is needed. Like the prophet Isaiah shared his vision of the restoration of Jerusalem, I pray that brightness will dawn, that nations will once more be drawn to our light, a light that reflects our participation in the glorious work of God. May we be indelibly bound to this God who searches us and knows us, who is acquainted in all our ways and claims us with compassion. Let us not cast our vision downward in defeat in the face of darkness, but instead, empowered by God's grace, let us chase the light. Well, Sarah R. wrote this beautiful epiphany poem as she imagined what the Magi were thinking as they chased the light, and so I share that with you now. Her poem is entitled, I Imagine. I imagine they packed bags, water and food, blanket and clothes. I imagine they packed tools, 
maps and telescopes that could bring the stars closer, as if the sky was a comforter they could pull near. I imagine they hugged loved ones and said, we'll be back soon. And the loved one said, don't leave, it's risky. You don't even know what you're chasing. I imagine they put lips to foreheads and said, there is a light in the darkness. I need to chase that. And then I imagine they walked. I imagine they walked until legs were tired and knees gave out. Maybe they told stories on the road and laughed into open sky. Or maybe they sat in silence and prayed for more light. However the road unfolded, I imagine it was not easy. I imagine all of this not because I have chased stars, but because I have dreamed. And these dreams for justice make the Magi's story my own. For every time we fight for justice, we start in the dark. We love, we hug our loved ones and say, there's a light in the darkness. I must chase that. We walk until we're tired and then we keep walking. We laugh at the open sky as a form of resistance. We pray in the night for signs of more light. And no matter how important the journey is, and no matter how much progress we make, the journey to justice is never easy. And so I pray that maybe one day we will be like the Magi and will walk ourselves into the light. Until then, don't forget, there's a light in the darkness. We must chase that. May it be so. Amen.